Welcome to Loud and Clear on this now the fourth episode of the second season of the Lerma podcast. A podcast created for people who give a shit about advertising. Today we have Christopher Farrell, who needs no introduction. He was one of our guests on previous episodes, the role of ad agencies in the time of a pandemic. This time, Chris is accompanied by another Chris, but Owens, who is a brand strategist at the Riches Group and a think engine for the group in general, delivering eye-opening insights for brands and inspiring talks to the rest of us from time to time. I remember a couple of really good talks that I came out inspired by. For those of you who follow the podcast, Mr. Owens is responsible for bringing Michael Fanuel to talk with us about his Stop Making Sense book a couple of episodes ago. Thank you, Chris, for that. And thank you both for being here. We are still recording this from the distance of our homes and this time exploring a new technology which now allows us to see each other. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Invite me back. No, thank you. It's great to have you. The last time it was the first week that the country was shutting down because of COVID-19. And now we're just looking back. I can't believe that it was just yesterday, that two months ago when, when this episode came out. We've been on lockdown for two months. And this week, things seems, at least here in Texas, starting to starting or, or intending to open up. There's been many COVID industry reports. There's been brainstorms. There's been POVs and some surviving campaigns the week we're opening things up partially, at least here. And we did promise that we were going to be back and here we are. We know what's going on in the world somehow, somewhat, but do we know what's happening in advertising? What have we seen? Do we have a better definition of the role of ad agencies <laughs> after <laughs> two months of being stuck into this? I, th I think that the only thing we know for sure is that nothing is the same as it was pre-pandemic. Uh, Christopher and I have talked a bunch about this. I think we have to fully embrace just how significantly businesses our customers and, and people have changed because of this. Whatever you thought was right or upside down or left or right about your customer before the pandemic, uh, there's a good chance that it's totally different now and, and will be. Christopher, I, I don't know if you want to touch on, but this notion of pre-pandemic and post-pandemic marketing might be an interesting starting point. Regardless of, of what time it is or what era we've been in, there, you're always going to find a group of people, whether that be consumers or, or clients who just for whatever reason, nostalgically love the way things used to be and uh, assumed that there was some kind of stasis or normalcy that they could rely on and patterns that they could just kind of draft off of and always hope that things can just always be that way. And then there's always another group of people who are like sort of a creative destructionist who can't wait to say everything's different and we need to rebuild everything right now. And, and no, 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 no. And you know, how, how many times have we seen the book, you know, the end of advertising be published or something right. like this and the death of this and the death of that. And, and seems that every generation wants to be the author of that book, right? The same kind of, um, I don't know, tribal tendencies or ideologies are just representing themselves here in the pandemic and that there's a lot of clients and consumers who just can't wait for things to get back to quote unquote normal. Uh, and, and they're willing to try and pantomime as much normalcy as possible in order to convince themselves that things are normal. And there's there's another group who just can't wait to hit the reset button and get back up into kind of startup mentality. But but they were always that way, you know, and, and right. this is just gives them a, a new excuse to kind of play out these different 
uh, ideologies that they have. And I think what, what Chris and I have talked a lot about is really where most everything then lands is kind of in the messy middle, somewhere in between. The, those two opposite polar valences never really play out to the degree or to the fidelity in which these people want them to. But there's always something, you know, in the middle. I, I think perhaps pr- for a lot of people listening to this, you've on the left side of this, I kind of think, well, not really left or right. I shouldn't put it that way. But on the side who who wishes things could get get, get back to normal, you'll find that they're, they have this kind of stop, drop and roll approach to what to do right now, which is kind of mm-hmm. like cut, cancel or hold your media and your messaging. Right. Um, and, and they do so. The hold piece is the one that concerns me the most because hold waiting for what? Well, then they have to come up with some kind of metric or rationale as to when that might be, when inevitably the whole country didn't shut down all at once. Thus, the whole country won't start back up all at once. So your need to be more flexible and more dynamic and more adaptive has never been tested more than right now. Yeah. I think that's a good point, right? Like when you see something coming and I think we discussed this more like deer in a headlight, you don't know really what to do when the sentiment of people in general is, you know, we've stopped because we have to, but there are certain things we're still consuming, right? We're still consumers. We're still living. We're still consuming entertainment. We're still uh, having breakfast, lunch and dinner. We're still laughing. We're still loving. What's the role of brands there, right? And agencies, how can we, I think the biggest challenge, at least for me, has been put in a, in a very rational way for our clients that it still makes sense to have an approach with consumers and that life goes on regardless. And how do we uh, reinvent, if necessary, their brand, but continue with the plan that probably was already there. And just a lot of the things have just accelerated, like e-commerce and certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like we're, we talk so often about, at least in the marketing world, the, the impact that COVID-19 has had on businesses. But I wish, and perhaps the role of agencies is to push the conversation about people and just how significantly this has impacted customers and consumer behavior, because the level of need that someone has today versus 10 weeks ago is radically different. The things that they want more of, the things that they want less of, the things that they want from businesses, the things that they want less from businesses. That's a really good, important starting point, because I keep, Christopher brought it up, this sort of desire to go back to normal but I don't think there's any going back to what it was before the pandemic. I think there's certainly we're still going to be human. We're, we're still going to have all of the needs, Francisco, that you laid out. But I think there's a new way of approaching how brands can be most meaningful to people moving forward. And that's kind of this messy middle that that I think we need to embrace and figure out, because, you know, if, if this is a. Uh, uncertain and chaotic. I mean, the the natural tendency is to want order and to want to restore some semblance of predictability. We see it everywhere. But I think right now there are just so many new places and spaces that people are trying to figure out. And on top of that, health and safety concerns that just didn't exist in many pockets, at least in America, eight to 10 weeks ago. I wish we'd talk more about more about people um, is, is kind of, I think, the role that agencies can do a lot more of. Yeah, I think that's almost our responsibility, right? Like to, as agencies, you know, we tend or the conversation is to look at brands, 
but it's almost like we should be shifting our conversation of, like you're saying, to people so that we're able to come up with solutions and bring to the brands solutions of what we're seeing as far as how people are behaving. A lot of this, I'm curious to see what you guys are thinking, but we say the new normal, how things have changed, but a lot of this are behaviors that we had with technologies that were already available, like, you know, the conference that we're now having or e-commerce or click and pick. There's certain things that were already there that with this just kind of exponentially took, <laughs> took into uh, adoption in human behavior. What are you guys thinking there? There's a ton of stuff that's accelerated adoption that, you know, we're already the seeds of, we're in the making. I mean, this exact meeting that we're having face-to-face -face on Microsoft Teams, I know we do it on Zoom, and it's just fascinating to see the, the rise of technology that's existed for years now, all of a sudden be fully embraced out of necessity. And then I think on the other side, there's a rapid acceleration of cracks that already existed in various systems that are now even more apparent. So I, I don't think many of the symptoms that the pandemic has highlighted are new. They're just now more apparent, both both good and bad. Yeah, we always talk about, particularly as strategists, you know, how about the importance of cultural relevancy and cultural currency and finding the the top spin on this and that and you know, that this is a cultural moment. I think that should go without saying. Um, but you start to find out how variable that is. Take, for example, video conferencing. I mean, it's it's always been relevant for a number of reasons, whether that be, oh, you can't pay for air travel or how do you stay more kind of ambiently or remotely connected to people? It's kind of some semblance of one on one. But the cultural relevance when the culture shifts to pandemic culture, the relevance skyrockets. And so then there's also cultural irrelevance where there are certain things that, in fact, uh, had a lot more utility and usefulness pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, and as that culture has shifted, then the amplitude of the relevancy has either gone up or down on things. As culture goes to kind of shelter in place culture, you start to see these you know, interesting little anomalies. Let's, let's you know, let's bake bread, bake bread all day, and and uh, binge watch, <laughs> you know, docu series and Animal Crossing and all this stuff. And things don't necessarily kind of hit that level at the amplitude in free roam culture. Meanwhile, when you've got free roam culture, you you see people almost like want to leave the home for home's sake and just drastically want something different than what their what their yesterday was, whether it's good for them or not. And, and thus then other things start to kind of pop up and down. And so these things are always changing. It just so happens that culture has shifted so dramatically that certain aspects of business, technology, client wants and needs, products and services have either like totally benefited in ways that you would have never imagined or have just completely depleted past the point of efficacy or usefulness or profitability in ways that you would have never imagined. Yeah. Yeah. I think to, to like highlight that, uh, I don't know if you guys saw that um, Renee Redzepi and Noma, his restaurant in Copenhagen, uh, Michelin star, number one restaurant in the world for the past several years, they reopened, but as a no reservation burger bar open to all individuals in Copenhagen that just need a burger and, and a beer. And so like, I think just think about that for a moment, a $300 a plate restaurant on top of the world reopens as a burger bar. Those to me are the types of decisions though, that are actually the most meaningful and powerful of, of like reimagining 
your brand and your business because the consumer need is different now. Right. Talk about recognizing that perhaps you are now irrelevant and pivoting the way you do business to become, you know, to go from irrelevant to relevant. And the question of being irrelevant or, or being disruptive by tone deaf, right? The fear of, of, of actually putting your voice out there and not hitting the mark on tone and, and just being afraid. But what is the risk of being silent too, right? If this restaurant in Copenhagen must say, okay, well, let's just wait and, and right. not do anything. Um, would it mean that the pivot they did right now with a burger and a beer, that in the future when things do get better and you have a better sense of where things are going, that they could not pivot again to be that high-end restaurant? Yeah, and, and what I think what I admire most about that decision is they didn't think about restarting. They thought about starting. Like They, they thought about launching uh, a brand new concept. Like It wasn't opening at limited capacity this and trying out their old price point and trying to figure out ways to fly in people that um, otherwise would be visiting their reservations in the past. It's like, no, we're, we're going to be a very different concept right now. And, and I don't, I don't know the business results of that. Like, I don't know if it's been successful or not, but I just think it's, it takes like that level of bravery and courage right now to, to help to move the world forward. Francisco, to your point, it's something I talk with my team a bunch about, but this is a time of, fear and uncertainty. And that's okay. That's totally normal. But fear and uncertainty does one of two things. It forces a choice. You can either let it fuel you or let it paralyze you. And I think that's kind of the binary decision to be made right now. Yeah. It also kind of exposes some of the paralysis that already preexisted, whether they knew it or not. I mean, these giant monolithic companies with giant upfront inflexible media buys are all contractually locked in with no agility whatsoever. And uh, it exposed just, I think, some of the inherent inflexibility of the old ways of going to market. Um, If you don't learn the lesson from having much more flexible planning and being much more adaptive with regards to when and, and how to adapt your media and your message. I mean, that should be one of the big takeaways and hopefully make a lot of these more inflexible companies a bit more yogic in their ability to, to, to stretch. Our, one of our media principals said the other day, you know, all media is local. And, and this really exposes that, given that every single DMA and market is at a different level of um, reopening and or closing or shut down based on all sorts of inevitable epidemiology. There, there's reasons as to why they're doing what they're doing. And then there's irrational reasons as to why they're doing what they're doing. Um, but all those things then affect the culture in those markets. So then if, if you're a brand who is important in those markets, what are you going to do to adapt to market A versus B versus C mm-hmm. when all three are approaching it differently culturally or systematically or governmentally? And uh, if you only had one approach to them all together in aggregate, well, you can't turn that on across all of them now. Right. So, you know, how, how do you then adjust and become much more flexible to adapt So as opposed to just kind of waiting for things to get back to business as normal for you to kind of hit the same button you've always hit to turn things on, it's, 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 it's that nice analogy with that, you know, that Scandinavian restaurant you referred to is that how do you, how do you reset certain aspects of your business? And, you know, the ideas of like being agile and nimble, it it almost had become cliche Mm -hmm. in just how advertising agencies and marketing plans kind of presented themselves. 
Um, but now that is kind of acutely on point as to what companies and clients can and can't do right now. Yeah. And we talk about the companies and clients and normally we're like, well, they're not nimble enough or they're very traditional in their media approach. But I think that has also kind of, we've adopted that as well, right? Like we've, we've adopted the passiveness saying like waiting for a brief or things like that. And right now I think the approach is work with them, especially that we have a point of view from the outside, going back to the consumer on how do you write that brief and how do you reinvent yourself, right? We see ourselves at Lerma trying to have conversations with clients of the opportunities we see in the short future and in the mid and long-term future, right? Like if at least speaking of POVs, as we were talking at the beginning of the podcast, uh, sending out POVs or actionable items that we see are opportunities that, that could come to us. We've talked about Cinco de Mayo for the Hispanic, the multicultural market was right in the middle of the shutdown, right? Cinco de Mayo. And some brands took advantage of it. Some brands didn't. Some brands did it right. And some brands didn't do it as good, but nobody really burned themselves for having some sort of action out there and speaking to the consumer while they're at home, trying to keep living and keep being <laughs> happy with what they have. That side of, of brands and companies of being kind of like trying to figure it out, I think we need to play a super bigger role on us having conversations with them and showing those opportunities. Do you guys see that also happening? I mean, from a brand planning perspective, I think that must be huge, right? Like this is what consumers are doing and the opportunity and, and where you, where we see you going. Yeah. I mean, I think clients always uh, appreciate whether they know it or not in the moment, a good sparring partner, a, a good uh, devil's advocate to come in and, and kind of stress test their ideas. I think we act as a check and balance to a lot of the things that they want to do. And we see in the absence of checks and balances, you can kind of convince yourself that this is what you need to do. And clients who are using their agencies that way right now are perhaps getting far more value from those interactions than they have in the past, simply because the sheer amount of options of what to do um, almost seem endless, depending on who you talk to. It's very easy to be the victim of your last conversation or the last blurb <laughs> or news bite or conference or whatever you know thing that you you picked up off the ticker. Thus, being able to have more conversations to then weigh those different possibilities and realities, because any one of those decisions could completely make or break or break your tomorrow. We we need to have those that ability to, to kind of step in and, and we don't always know what's right and wrong. I mean, that's, a, that's the one thing I can tell you that I've learned in 25 plus years of agency experience. Yeah. But what I can tell you is that I, I would, I would rather not try and strive to be perfectly right. I would rather be useful. Right. So that's case, a good filter, right? To put yeah, like, yeah. And so, and trying just trying things and, and seeing what happens and, and learning from those things as opposed to waiting so long for some giant monolithic solve and then enacting it by the time it's too late and, and then and then you don't don't really know what what happened so yeah on, on my side what I, what I am noticing which is just absolutely fascinating is for the past I don't know four or five years at least of my career this um, warm blanket, that we call data has been the thing that drives a lot of decisions and that's perfectly understandable and will continue to play a role. However, in this moment right now, a lot of our data sources, I, I would say three quarters to 90% of our data sources are six to 12 months behind 
in terms of the, the data that's reporting on consumers. So what that means is it is not reflective of the pandemic. And <laughs> so we have, we certainly do have some tools that, that let us see more real time, but I think we have to help our clients understand that, that they can't look at year over year stuff or they can't look at you eight weeks ago was, was day zero. And that's kind of the new benchmark that you kind of need to work against. And so I, I think one other piece we can help our clients with is just help them understand which pieces of data are most valuable right now and which stuff, frankly, we maybe just throw out the window or set aside or at least just put in the back burner to not drive decisions. Like take, for example, a household income data that we might be getting from various partners based on the unemployment rate. It's no longer good. Reduced wages. Like, yeah, that, that, that data is shit right now. Yeah. So like we have to help paint that story. Like uh, I, I attended an awesome uh, webinar yesterday on zoom that the four A's put on with uh, Rashad Tabakawala and he uh, gave a lot of really awesome anecdotes, but yeah, his book, he has it restoring the soul of business. We'll, we'll plug that. Uh, it's a good read. Um, he, uh, he talks a lot in that book, Francisco, about uh, this need to strike a balance between the story and the spreadsheet. And, and we've kind of leaned too far into the, the spreadsheet, spreadsheet. to bring back that, that human side, that's the, the story side of what we do. And, and I feel like we can't talk about that enough because that's, that's like such a huge mission ingredient right now. That's great. Yeah, there's going to be data points today that are like, you know, it's like a, a wine that's too young. You know, it's we need to put that on the shelf for a couple quarters or a year. And then only then can we go back and trend that against historical data to see where these changes really happened. But right now it's just useless. Um, yeah. so, so let's let's go put that in the cellar and, and we'll wait. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll give it a, a quarter bottle turn every couple of weeks. But <laughs> but 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 meanwhile, this thing right here is just kind of glowing red or blinking green. And we really have to respond, uh, you know, to, to this aspect um, of what's going on. Yeah. One of, one of the pieces of research we did was look at social conversation related to COVID-19. And as you'd imagine, at least here in, in the U.S., um, conversations spiked massively in the last week of March and into early April. But week over week since then, it's actually decreased direct mentions of COVID-19 and coronavirus and all related sort of mentioned shelter in place, that sort of thing. And so what's clear is that um, people are still thinking about COVID-19 but there's other things that are filling their likes, comments and shares and things they talk about directly. And so there's this interesting um, trend that we're seeing that although it's clearly top of mind, that's that's that data point doesn't suggest that it's not something that people are thinking about every day or every hour, every minute. Right. It's it's kind of creating this new um, opportunity from a conversation perspective about what does grab. On. I mean, we've seen you know, Tiger King in the early days of the pandemic. And we've seen the last dance more recently. Um, I mean, there's just a hunger for shared experiences right now. Um, Travis Scott on Fortnite. I mean, there's just these massive moments that across the board, whether it's gaming or live entertainment, we're seeing live streaming records being absolutely smashed. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there, there are data points that are pointing to this whole new world and that's kind of the perfect storm of accelerated adoption of technology, uh, th this void that people have, the, the need to connect. We, we are human after all. 
Um, and then just this shared experiences that we can have, you know, conversations and whether that's around the, the virtual water cooler or um, in other places. But that's, uh, I don't know, just something really interesting that we're seeing unfold and I think will continue to be so. I guess I guess from uh, from a human insight perspective, uh, COVID is not immune to the fact that we get bored, right? Right. <laughs> and we want to move on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's if if I were the virus, that's how I how I, I would want my uh, host populace to, to think and believe. So, <laughs> how do yeah. I keep if COVID is now thinking how to how to how to keep relevant, right? As people <laughs> yeah. try to move on and forget and yeah, yeah, their 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 strategic agency seems to be doing a pretty good job. <laughs> that's right. How uh, how do we see advertising agencies moving forward uh, within the model? Now, we, I think I've heard several things like obviously digital. It's a it's a huge thing. Like a, a lot of the resources that humans are or, or consumers are jumping into are are digital. But the model. Do you guys have any thoughts on 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 how it's going to look in 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 six months, a year um, of of how we operate? Yeah, I think the the best analogy. I've heard, um, it's been shared by a number of folks, but, uh, I first heard it from the, uh, governor of California. He, he, he talked about how this is not a light switch. Uh, this is a dimmer, um, that will slowly be turning up and down in terms of level of restrictions placed, uh, with shelter in place. And, and so I think that is our best model to, to look at. And if we're being realistic, all the places that are quote reopening, it's only at 25% capacity allowed maximum. Most businesses can't sustain their pre-pandemic uh, operations at 25% capacity. It's just not sustainable. And even if we get to optimistically from an economic perspective, 50% capacity, that's still not all that great. And so that's the next six, eight, 10, 12, maybe 18 months. Uh, and, and I don't think we'll see any of that change until there is not just a vaccine, but but a lot of distribution of said vaccine before we see a different kind of post-pandemic. And, and so between now and then, I mean, we're talking about, I don't know, 10 to 18 months of this, what Chris and I are calling the messy middle. And, and that's what we're going to just be trying to figure out is, is how do you help a brand? If you're just talking about a business perspective, and I'll, I'll bring in the, the plug for meeting consumer needs, but how, how do you find a way to provide a, an unmet need that can help float your business for the next 10 to 18 months? I mean, that's the big question. Mm -hmm. And something we should ask ourselves as, an, as, as a business ourselves, right? Like, uh, like as, as agencies, do we keep nimble? How do we keep flexible? How do we work with this dimmer or as, uh, Chris Owens was putting it with, I, I thought it was interesting as breakers, right? Going up and down, shutting up and down. And, and, you know, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I think getting back to local store marketing and really appreciating the regional differences um, that, that different consumer behaviors and different kind of marketplaces present, uh, I think it's going to be something a lot of agencies are, are focusing on right now. Some of them have been forced to focus on it, um, and I think you know that's where we will probably start to kind of drive you know even more recommendations toward. You know whether it's the dimmer or the circuit breaker. I, I think you know dimmer is a great analogy if you think of the country as a whole. 
Um, but I, but I think when you get down to these DMA levels, there's going to be certain points where they decide they can reopen based on some kind of criteria, Mm -hmm. whether it's just the way they feel or whether it's science-based. And then there's going to be other breaking points where they're going to have to kind of reinstate, reinstate kind of new criteria. And, and these things are going to be going up and down, like I said, kind of across the country at different intervals and different places. And so your ability to turn on one national message all at once, you're just going to be, you know, super irrelevant in certain markets uh, when mm-hmm. you're saying, hey, come out and try and get this new thing. When in fact, you still have 70% of the population staying home. I think relying on a lot of mobility indices and uh, kind of geolocational data where you can start to see literally certain trade areas open up and close down over time just based on uh, the data that's being collected off of mobile devices in, in aggregate. You're probably going to see a lot more planning that's going to be using that type of an of an indicator to determine when to go on and off. Uh, in the absence of that, simply understanding what a government is telling their local population to do actually isn't a good indicator of what that population is actually doing. Yeah, to your point, I think this week I was looking at some or listening to some ads and they're already speaking like this has passed, right? The, the welcome back. And at least from my moods, I didn't feel I was connecting with that. But it, it, it's exactly what you're saying, right? As a consumer, that's how I felt it. Yeah, and I, and I think those are the the decisions that get made over Zoom calls in, in comfortable shelter-in-place settings that, without an appreciation for the individuals that are forced to go to work, whether it's because they're an essential worker, they're working in healthcare, or they just are simply trying to find new ways to um, provide for their families. So I, I, I think there's a lot of um, need to have discussion about, the, I mean, the trend that we're calling it shelter and privilege, um, but just yeah. talk a lot about how there's so many large pockets and populations and individuals that are in very different places that that their their biggest need is not which office chair should I task desk chair should I buy for my home office but um, you know I just got laid off or I just uh, lost half my shifts what am I going to do now I mean those are those are some very very real um, needs that people have right now and so many of our brands uh, provide products and services that. Um, those individuals rely on or, or at least would be receptive to. And so I think those, yeah, to, to your point, the, the ads that make it seem like this is over are, are so off. They're so um, misguided. Yeah. And that's why it's so important what Mr. Owen's saying is, is really look at a local, from a local point of view and be able to be, you know, <laughs> play with the reality of that, uh, of, of that market, right? Um, it's crazy. Yeah, the shelter and privilege, knowing that only 20% uh, are living this pandemic like probably us three, right? Like with Zoom meetings and working from home and other ones. There's so most of the people really have to go out there and hustle and still risk. Uh, yeah, that's that's an inherent danger in itself. If you think about you know uh, our the, you know the penetration of people who are in that shelter and in, in privileged population, it's a lot of our clients. And guess what? It's us. And and so you know we're back in our own little echo chamber talking about 
you know, what the rest of the world is thinking and are feeling when in a lot of instances, you know, it, it couldn't be more starkly different. And, and guess what? It's always kind of been that way anyway. I mean, yeah. ag- agency, industry, culture and client corporate marketing culture has always in some ways kind of obscenely prided th- the sense in which it acts and behaves sort of differently. Um, you like know, assu- it, 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 assuming smartphone versus flip phone, no, it's an example. Yeah, right, right. So, so, you know, again, it's, it's just taking a, you know, something that's already existed and amplified it and just kind of, kind of dial it up. So our need to try and, and pay attention to what, you know, what's going on, you know, to, to Mr. Farrell's point with, with the real people, you know, are, are, are feeling, um, you know, consumers have always been real people, you know, that's, yeah. and, Whenever we start to think of them as just some kind of just a wallet to rob or, or, or mouth to fill, you know, that's when we've we've um, we've taken a step too far. And I think the sensitivity to that right now is should probably be much, much higher than uh, than it's ever been for obvious reasons. Yeah. Talk of na- national message. Uh, Mr. Owens, you were talking about national message and how to localize uh, at some point where, you know, that YouTube video that has the analysis of all brands, you know, the anatomy of the of a COVID message with the piano. What do you guys think about that? And, you know, yeah. tell us. So, you know, was there an unmet need for melancholic, you know, piano ballads that, you know, the industry collectively tried to deliver against? I mean, it's been yeah, it's been kind of the we've been the, sort of the butt of the pop cultural, you know, uh, washing machine cycle right now about how things are, are happening. And, and I think, um, you know, in terms of sort of palettes of responses, whenever I go back to, you know, what it was like working in agency post nine 11 to the recession, uh, et cetera, there's always been this, well, do we become kind of somber and humble or do we become, you know, uplifting and motivational, um, and it, or do we risk becoming Pollyanna? Oh, then we default back to the, to the humble and, 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 um, so, you know, that's, that's something that I think everybody wants at a certain level. It's just, do you need it in mass? So carbon copied from one spot to the next while you're trying to escape and enjoy your, you know, the voice or whatever it is that, you know, you know, you're watching, um, I mean, people need that true at a human one-to-one level and they want to hear that from their peers and their friends and their families. But when that becomes this, this kind of giant shout from all the different national marketers at you all at once, it really does start to feel um, disingenuous very quickly. I mean, yeah. American consumers in particular have always had a love-hate relationship with advertising in general. Um, and, and thus, you know, again, uh, just sort of another, another wound or scab perhaps kind of made fresh once again. Like, like Chris, uh, like Mr. Farrell said one time in a presentation is nobody gets up in the morning excited about what ad they're going to see that day. Right. Yeah. So do you guys have any closing thoughts, uh, that you guys would like to leave the audience? Uh, well, I'll just, you know, I think messy middle has probably a point that we've <laughs> made uh, quite well here, both in our conversation and, and points. And, and it's, it's clear that, you know, there, there is no certainty on a lot of things. And, and, uh, I think, think we embrace that and, uh, and, and just recognize we need to take it day by day and, and look at everything that we have in front of us and make the best decisions possible. Um, but, you know, in, in doing so, trying to resist the simple kind of binary response of just do it the old fashioned way, 
yeah. you know, it's all really in, in, in respect of that and knowing that we aren't in control of everything, never have been, never will be, but our clients are paying us to be in control or some semblance of control of how their budgets uh, uh, and creative resources are spent. So to that degree, our coping strategies really are, are looking in front of us and, and seeing what, uh, what we think is right. And, and then presenting it and trying it and then testing it and measuring it and proving it and, uh, and, and just keep on iterating. Mr. Farrell? Yeah, um, I'll first answer your, your question about the COVID-19 impact report. Um, so it's our second edition. Uh, if anyone's interested in it, um, I think the easiest way to get a copy is to uh, send me a message at my Twitter uh, profile, at Chris Farrell, uh, C-H-R-I-S-F-E-R-R-E-L. Uh, I'll give you a copy either on SlideShare. If you'd prefer a PDF copy, I can send you that link too. The other, the other thing we're trying to do is turn that into a newsletter. Again, if you're interested, we'll, we'll give you the the means to sign up for that. Give a little more commentary and timely news and notes. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess closer to Mark's, um, I don't know, the, the message I, I left with our digital strategy team last week, I guess I'll share uh, with the listeners right now. I mean, there's been a lot of really tough, unfortunate events that that have happened and you know we, we've laughed during this conversation but but i think um mm-hmm. to to bring some uh seriousness to the discussion the, the changes that have that have happened across so many areas of, of our world and has impacted individuals from a personal standpoint professional standpoint you know the, it has caused understandably a lot of frustration a lot of fear a lot of uncertainty but on, a, on an optimistic note of how we might turn the page, my grandpa, who's uh, no longer with us, but he grew up in Nebraska, where I'm from, has, has some words of wisdom to help, help us maybe turn a page and, and start to look forward. And he said, uh, Chris, never let a hangover last more than a day. <laughs> that is excellent. And so I think in, in his sentiment. I, I think the only way we can move forward is making that decision that I kind of brought up earlier, that choice really of either let the fear, fear and uncertainty paralyze you or let it fuel you. Um, and so I, I hope we have enough people in our industry that that find um, hope and inspiration. And, and the only way we get better as a society is to, to help hopefully make some um, positive decisions and meet those unmet needs of, of real people, of consumers. Um, and that's the way that our, our brand and business will, will get back to um, positive economic growth, but but more importantly, a, a better better world, hopefully. So um, I guess I'll, I'll leave it on that. Cool. No, I love it. Um, so you you mentioned your social handles. I think you also mentioned on the past uh, on the past episode. But uh, Mr. Owens, do do you know? Do you have any any place where people can follow you or reach out to you on social media in case they have any further questions? Yeah, I've been like super open on uh, Facebook. Actually, you don't just have to be my friend. I have tons of students and industry people I've kept up with for for forever, and that's probably where I'm most active. Um, and so in which then I'm fairly easy to find Christopher Owens and the one that's working at the Richards group. Cool. Uh, and so, yeah, share things there, you know, that are, have certainly been pertinent to this, to this conversation as much as people can do, if they can 
open up and talk about the situations that they're in professionally or personally and realize and recognize that there are a lot of other people out there in the exact same situation and simply have a chance to hear each other out on how you're dealing with that. That one simple little little act, I think, provides as much pain relief and hope and inspiration or a kick in the ass as, as you, you probably need. You, you just need to be reaching out for it and, and listening. You know, no, nobody ever learned with their mouth open uh, is something I once heard. And so, you know, your, your chance to, to be able to kind of listen and take in other points of view and process it all, I think now are, are probably if you can, if you've always been able to do that, man, you're ahead of the game. But if you have it, now's the time to really exercise and practice that. I think that's beautiful. And I think it would be beautiful if a wireless company would take on that message of listening and, and talking, which is the greatest power they have. A lot of them are focused on networks right now and 5G, but that's just a, such a simple message that it, it, it could really come good for the world. So thank you, Chris, Chris and Chris, <laughs> Chris Owen and Chris Merrill. This has been uh, loud and clear. Uh, the podcast the, for people who give a shit about advertising. My name is Francisco Cárdenas. I am a digital strategist at Lerma. Please listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcast, and you can comment on Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe, tell us what you think, and uh, uh, we'll be on the lookout. We have some special guests coming from Nike to see how they have handled the pandemic from within the company. And we're excited to share that here soon. I really appreciate the presence and I enjoy a lot working with you guys week over week. So Likewise. thank you very much. Yeah, Absolutely. Likewise. Likewise. Thanks for having us. <laughs>